Welcome to the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. My, oh, my. Friday the 13th. Of course, here we are. Uh, It feels like a Friday the 13th, doesn't it? Let's dive into it. Biden was supposed to be, all along, a return to normalcy. That's what we were told. Now, it's not yet clear that he will be the president of the United States. It could happen. You could even say it's likely. But we're already coming to a recognition, I think, as a, as a country, or at least anybody who's being honest and who's paying attention to all of this, that the libs are going to still be crazy when all is said and done. After these legal challenges, after these recounts, once all that's passed away, uh, passed by, you will see that they're still calling Republicans Nazis. They're still saying that Republicans are racists and white supremacists. We're still going to have a covid pandemic. There are going to be all of these challenges and the discourse is not going to be magically elevated. It's not going to happen. There's no reason to believe this will happen other than it was a narrative that was pushed relentlessly, relentlessly by the Democrats and their allies in the media. Because especially in a year where everything feels so strange and unsettling and and we're all so anxious because of this pandemic and the lockdowns and the economic costs that it has incurred. With all of that going on, anyone who says we're going to go back to normal, you'll listen to them. You say, oh, well, wouldn't that be great? But I'm here to tell you that the Democratic Party's idea of normal is not what a normal person's idea of normal is. The Democrat Party has become radical. It has become left wing. They seek to purge ideas from the public square that they do not like, not to defeat them in the marketplace of ideas to actually expel them from that marketplace to prohibit them from even being able to show up and try to sell their goods, so to speak. Joe Biden is looking at a number of far left Democrats for very senior positions in his government in order to keep the base happy. And again, this is all under the assumption that the legal challenges that Trump brings are not yet successful or are not successful rather in the end. With all of this going on, though, we can already see how this would shape up. And let's even say that Trump continues for four more years in office. Whatever the case may be, there is no normal that Democrats pretend we're going to go back to. It doesn't exist. Do you remember what it was like for eight years of the Obama administration? Anyone who disagreed with Obama was basically called a racist in the media. I mean, that was that was the most common tactic of all. Oh, you don't like. You don't like uh, Obamacare? You don't like the Affordable Care Act? You must be racist. You think the IRS was targeting conservative groups in 2011 and 2012, in an election year, by the way, under the Obama administration? That sounds a little racist. Was there any bipartisan spirit or effort at that point in time? No, not at all. It it didn't exist. There, There was no reaching across the aisle to the other side. They weren't trying to heal the divide in this country but you'll notice a trend here obama ran in 2008 as the guy that's going to bring the country together he was transcending politics despite being a politician and then in 2012 it was like elections have consequences deal with it i win you lose 
And it was really the rub, rub Republicans' faces in it election. When Mitt Romney got crushed. But we also remember the House. We remember the House changed hands during the Obama administration. And then eventually the Senate changed hands. The American people started to say, hmm, this uh, left-wing new age of politics that Obama brought about wasn't really all that it was supposed to be. Didn't really work out the way we were promised. Guess what? Right now, everybody who, as I've said, is being honest and is surveying the political scene is coming to the following conclusion. Even with a Biden victory, we're still going to be a country that is deeply divided. There will be government gridlock. There'll be fierce fights over you know, spending priorities and over the debt ceiling and over the the national debt and you know, what we should do with our foreign policy and how quickly we should get out. If we ever get out of some of these Middle Eastern and South Asian quagmires, we're in red. There, there are going to be all these fights and debates. What, what exactly was the return to normalcy? Oh, we won't have Trump's tweets. Well, that's not even true. There are reports today. I saw some in the Daily Mail that the president is pretty openly speaking about how He's going to run again in four years. So you'll have a Biden, a Biden administration that will have Trump effectively running a presidency in exile, right? A presidency in opposition with all of the media cloud and all of the attention that he brings and and his supporters bring. And what Joe Biden is going to use his tremendous political skills to navigate us through this. The most fascinating thing that you will see guaranteed if and when Joe Biden ascends into the presidency in January, will be the, the six-month period after that where the media tries so hard to explain why Biden has been such a great transition for America, especially on the issue of COVID. We're still going to have cases. Things are still going to be exactly what they are right now. But for the left, politics is a religion. It is their religion replacement. And so even when they have a false prophet, even when they have to pretend some clown is their temporary messiah to save the country, they're willing to do it because what else do they have? What else do they fall back on? This is why they're shrill lunatics instead of happy warriors, as we are on the right, who are just going through this process and will accept whatever it ends up being once we've gotten the facts and once we are satisfied that the process is completed. That's all. That's all. But I, I find it fascinating, the idea of a return to normal. What, what was that normalcy we seek so much? The normalcy of, oh, the Obama administration, right, where we had a disastrous foreign policy, an anemic economic recovery out of a recession, uh, a lot of just reckless demagoguery around police and around racism in America, and... The, the constant construction of straw men, right? O- Obama's favorite tactic was always, you know, you can either agree with me or, can, or you know, there, there are two sides to this argument. My side and then those evil morons who don't know anything known as Republican. Why won't they meet me in the middle? I'm always right and they're a bunch of, they're a bunch of racist idiots. That, that was the tone from the Obama administration. The media propped them up the whole time. The idea that we're moving away from fascism, that that will be a return to normalcy under a Biden administration. Think about that for a moment. What is it like in fascist countries? Is the media 90% opposed to the ruling regime? Or is the media 90% plus favorable to slobbering over 
giving foot massages to the regime. Which one is it? We all know the answer to that. So where is the greater danger of authoritarianism? Where is the greater danger of your freedom being extinguished? It's, of course, in a, in a circumstance where the media is in love with the people in charge because they reflect their own views and because they like their ability to wield power along their same ideological lines. That should be troubling to people, that we don't have a true opposition press or even a press that is focused on the job of providing facts and data without fear or favor. That's all laughable now. No one really can believe that. No intelligent person believes that's what our, the mainstream media, the corporate media does. So I'm just saying there's, there's no return to normalcy. That was, always, that was always a fiction. That was always a fraud. And then there's the other argument I wanted to make to you today, which is that all the things that we're seeing right now, while they're comparing it to you know, Nazi Germany and they're saying these insane things about the Trump legal challenges, the recounts. Look, the president, he's got a little bit of bluster in him, as we know, and he's made some pretty sweeping claims, but he hasn't taken any action on those claims other than send lawyers into court. And now there's those claims are being tested and we're seeing what comes out of all of this. If Democrats care so much about our sacred democracy, if they believe so much in what's going on here. They should welcome this. This is, in a sense, the verification process for who really won this election. After these legal challenges make their way through, if Joe Biden ends up being the winner by vote count, well, then he'll really be the winner. Right? Now, people might still have their concerns about fraud that was not found or they might have other beliefs. That's fine. But you and I both know that if Trump turns around, if his team turns around and says, all right, we've done everything we can, the states have certified it, we're going to move on. And moving on doesn't mean forgetting about everything we've seen over the last four years. It means we continue forward, including the president continuing forward, then as a private citizen, but perhaps one who will run again in four years, and if not, has a political movement to continue with. So there's no reason to be frightened in this moment for our democracy. That's actually the opposite of what we should be feeling. This is great. Our court system is working. Our process is working. We're going to find out answers here. Then we'll, we'll look to what, it, what the actual outcome may be, and then we'll go forward as a country. But we're not going into some newfound unity and normalcy and we're all going to be friends and we're going to shake cans, sing songs and pat each other on the back. Yeah, we're all Americans and ultimately we all treat each other with a basic decency and we're in this together in one way or another. But the fights are going to continue. The gridlock in Congress is going to continue. Republicans and Democrats are far apart on a whole range of critical issues. That's not going to change. So... Let's live in reality here, my friends. And the reality is that normalcy with a Biden administration or any administration for that matter is a media fiction. There's no such thing. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget to visit BuckSexton.com. What are these false claims of widespread election fraud doing to our country right now? They appear to be motivated in part because uh, the president doesn't like to lose and uh, never admits loss. 
Um, I'm more troubled by the fact that other Republican officials who clearly know better are going along with this, are humoring him in this fashion. Um, it is one more step in delegitimizing not just the incoming Biden administration, but democracy generally. And that's a dangerous path. That's the exact opposite of what's happening. It doesn't delegitimize democracy to bring legal challenges in court. Once again, the Democrats, the libs, Obama, they refuse to separate Trump's political rhetoric from Trump's actions. What are the actions being taken? Lawyers are going before judges under oath, providing evidence, making their case and responding to what the decisions are in each individual circumstance in all these different states. That strengthens democracy. What's the what's the problem? Should we not have court systems? Should there not be a mechanism for checking on election results to make sure they are on the up and up? They've already moved to the point in their in their minds, clearly, and in the way they're talking about this, where they are treating this as though Trump has rejected certified state results and legal challenges in courts and and is pretending like none of that matters. That's not what's happening. They're the ones that are providing a false picture of all of this. Obama, unsurprisingly, you've, you've got to read, by the way, the New York Times. I read a snippet of it. The New York Times review of books. There's another Obama memoir coming out because that's what the world needs. It's over 700 pages. If you really want to fall asleep fast, I'm sure open, open yet another Obama memoir. This guy writes, he wrote two autobiographies before he was 50. He really likes himself a lot. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, the New York Times review of books. I've never read something so saccharine, so, uh, so worshipful about a, a book in my It was like, Obama's the, the most decent and wonderful man. And his writing is so brilliant that it's like, it's like the words are making love to my eyes. I mean, it's, I'm not really exaggerating. You've got, it's worth reading the New York Times review of books about, about Obama. You, the devotion that they have to this guy, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's, it would be embarrassing for any adult. I would never speak or write that way about anyone who was not actually walking on water in front of me. You know, so but they, they think Obama can walk on water, but he doesn't need to because he are, already has proven that he's God, basically. So they don't they don't care. Um, but what Obama's saying here is is obviously ridiculous. There's nothing that the president's doing that's undermining democracy. There are irregularities. We've already found them. There are some weak spots and some shortcomings in this. So what's what's the issue? Oh, and by the way, the Democrats went along with the Russia collusion hoax for four years, which never had any evidence. And they used fake, uh, fake information through a criminal legal process to go after Trump campaign officials to try to ensnare the president himself to bring charges against General Flynn. That's right. They weaponized the federal bureaucracy against an incoming administration. Obama and his team did that. Now they want to talk about undermining democracy. Obama was a part of a coup, friends part of a coup that's what that was trying to at least hobble if not destroy an incoming republican administration and obama knew about it 
They discussed it in front of him. No problem. And he knew more about it than we even have been able to, to prove at this point. Obviously, the guy's the president. You think James Comey was running all this stuff, all these operations against Trump's people, and they weren't having conversations in the Oval Office, all, you know, off the record and held at the highest level, that that's what was going on? Come on, folks. We all know. We're not idiots. Everything they've shown us so far, all the evidence has proven just how high up that conspiracy went. Now they're going to lecture us about undermining democracy. I'm going to need to take out the bleep button to tell them what I think of them for this. This is absurd. But, oh, yes, we need. That's what America needs right now. Another another Obama lecture. Maybe he can tell us about foreign policy, as in how to have America go around the world bowing and begging for forgiveness all the time and get hit with a lot of terrorist attacks and preside over lots of terrorist inspired disasters. That would be great, right? That's what we really need. Let's have Obama give us a lecture on all that. Really, really smart stuff going on there. Undermining, undermining democracy by bringing challenges in court. They just stick with the talking points. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter that they already had a court victory yesterday. There's an automatic, uh, well, there's a, a hand recount, I should say, going on in Georgia right now. And yesterday, there was a, a victory where a court in Pennsylvania... Uh, said that, no, they they actually can have the Democrat secretary of state of Pennsylvania just decide on a whim to extend out a ballot deadline even further than it had been extended. She just said, yeah, you know, we're going to make it even later to get the final tally for these ballots. in. so we're going to go. No, if something doesn't come in by a certain date, it doesn't count. That's what the law says. The state legislature gets to determine election law in Pennsylvania, not one Democrat official. And the court ruled in favor of the Trump campaign. So they've already won a court battle this week over ballot counting in the most critical state of all right now. But it's undermining democracy, the Democrats say. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. Speaking of bending the knee... With COVID cases here at a a one-day all-time record, I think 150,000 in the U.S. is what they're saying. And uh, with where we are with uh, hospitalizations, you've got 67,096 yesterday nationwide, 12,796 COVID-19 patients in ICUs. We're about to have the, the chorus of, listen to the science, shouted in our faces all the time. Listen to the signs, uh, even from within some in the Trump administration. Let's understand this before I start bashing the liberal lunatics, which, of course, we will do. I, I think that even a lot of people that work for Trump, I think the Trump administration has been uh, you know, pushed into this corner where they often say and do things that are not are not helpful or not. What is the what's the best way forward during this covid pandemic? And, you know, here's Alex Azar of HHS. Play five. 
Wolf, we've posted guidelines and recommendations at cdc.gov, coronavirus.gov. As you think about your Thanksgiving gathering, uh, please uh, address those circumstances there. Um, Reduce the number of people at your gathering. If you can open the windows, uh, let more ventilation in. We've got very practical things. Even if you have a ceiling fan, set it so it pulls the air up instead of down. Use single-use servings for individuals. Um, Wear your face coverings because I want to make sure, even if we make sacrifices, this Thanksgiving and Christmas, the sac- the, those sacrifices are for a reason, so that everybody you want to be with will be here for next Thanksgiving and next, Christ- yeah, next Christmas. And, and as I said, I'm grateful to you, Mr. Secretary, for saying that I would be grateful, if uh, very pleased, if the President of the United States were to follow your lead and say the same thing, because there are a lot of Americans out there who support him uh, who are totally, totally opposed to putting on a face mask, to wearing a mask, and that is so dangerous. So on masking... As you know, an issue of particular contention for me, we had an all-time high of cases yesterday. Every data set you can find, every poll, every, all, all the numbers you can look at on masking, there is more universal adoption of masking in the United States now than at any point during the pandemic. And we just had an all-time record for cases yesterday. Well, what's going on? How well do these things, how well can they really work if... Remember, people with masks on are still getting sick constantly, constantly. If it works the way they tell us, why isn't why why doesn't it, you know, completely? Oh, you breathe in and it catches the droplets and then the virus doesn't get into the air. Hmm. Really? How effective are they? You got in places like New York, they estimate 80 to 90 percent. Constant mask adoption, meaning people are wearing masks or compliance, you could say, wearing masks whenever they're in public, whenever they're indoors with people all the time, right? It, completely obeying all these rules and regulations. Okay, so shouldn't we be fine? I, you know, I, I really, I ask this just, I want people to think through this on their own. Somehow, and these, this is just a fact, this is just the truth. And, and they don't want you asking these questions. They just want you to obey. But we're now being told that a mask mandate will save over 100,000 lives. And it's such obvious science that we should all be masking up all the time that only a fool would question it. But somehow it also took our top experts at the CDC and the NIH months and tens of thousands of American deaths to figure out this super obvious thing that masks are so good. They say the science changed, but they never explain how. Because whenever we say, well, I don't want to do this, they say it's not even if it doesn't work that well, it's not that much of an imposition. Just do it. Just do it. All right. But if it's not that much of an imposition, but it's so obvious that it would work when we thought this would have a five percent as high as five percent were the early estimates fatality rate which could have led to a few million americans dying from this that was back in february march time frame but why wouldn't they have said everyone mask up right away oh now they claim it's because of asymptomatic cases and they didn't know that you know there's a lot of sort of you know mealy mouthed you know stuff that they're saying but no they tell us now masking is no big deal it's not that annoying fuck wear that mask on the treadmill don't complain about it just Keep breathing in your own phlegm there. Let's just go for it. That's fine. Who cares? It's not too much of an imposition. Well, for the first 90 days of this, when people were dying all over the place and there was lots of spread of the virus, 
They were saying, no, nah, don't wear a mask. Now you question it and they say, how dare you? Okay, what changed? They say it's asymptomatic cases. Well, that that shouldn't have changed the, you know, we should have just had everybody. And oh, and by the way, that's also a dodge, because even with the flu, we know that you are perhaps at your most contagious 24 hours before you show symptoms. So when they say that we didn't tell people to mask because only sick people should mask, it was only when we found out about asymptomatic cases that our, our risk assessment on all this changed. So they wanted people to be exposed to this deadly virus that could have all been stopped by masks until they knew that asymptomatic people could carry it. But there are plenty of people that don't show symptoms with any respiratory virus that will be contagious before they show symptoms. So you see what I mean? There's, there's, a, there's a problem here, friends. There's some aspects of this that you haven't been told the truth about. That's for sure. Um, and there's going to be increased media panic now. Because remember, Trump is still the president. He is still the president. And as long as he is still the president, there is an incentive to make this as miserable and horrible for everybody as is possible. And so you have uh, Dr. Gupta over CNN, over at CNN. Here he is. Play 19. That's what we're seeing here. And, and I think the idea that so many of these deaths that are happening in the United States are preventable uh, just adds to that idea that this is a true humanitarian crisis. The Doctors Without Borders uh, have come to the United States uh, to do their work. They go to the hottest spots in the world. They look at the earth and say, where, where are we needed? Well, they're needed here in the United States right now. So I know it's tough to hear. I've already gotten a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, emails and social about the fact that I call this a humanitarian disaster, but I, I stand by it. it. It is. And it, hopefully it inspires people to do something about it. What does he want us to do about it? Oh, shut up and listen to Democrats and wear that mask all the time. Wear that mask between bites of food. Wear that mask. Wear more masks. Double up on masks. Why not goggles? I don't understand. It's not that big of an imposition. Go through the rest of your life wearing goggles and a mask. What's the problem? For a disease that has a 99.7% survival rate? Okay. That seems to me to be a, a, a little bit extreme. Why not? Why not? Why not demand that we all wear N95 masks? N95 masks are better. Scientifically speaking, there's no, no doubt about it. An N95 mask is better for protection against uh, inhaling pathogens, aerosolized pathogens. That's just a fact. So why not require that? Well, if you require that, you need to ask, well, if we're really going to save lives, shouldn't we have everybody wearing a full-on respirator? You know, we go around like we're all living in space, like we're on the planet Mars. Shouldn't we do that? Why not? Uh, you see, it's our fault. That's, that's ultimately... But when I say it's our fault... It's not the fault of all the people dancing in the street last weekend in New York in huge crowds. Because they were so happy about Joe Biden's media declaration of uh, victory. They're not at fault. It's anyone who questions this. They're the people. I wear a mask every day. I wear a mask all the time. I have to. I have no choice. I, I, I can't even I can't leave my home. It is not possible for me to leave my home without wearing a mask, without running afoul of. New York state law right now. Can I walk through a common area of my of my home, which I have to. I have to go through the lobby. There's no other way for me to get out. Have to wear a mask, I wear a mask all the time. So I'm just making the case that this is not doing what they say it's doing. And they're going to get increasingly irrational and panicked about this because as cases keep going up, keep going, keep going up. Intelligent people who are paying attention are going to say, 
We're all wearing masks. Cases are spiking. Going up, going up, going up. I I thought these, your mask protects you. My mask protects me. They said, listen to the science. I say, okay, I listen to the science. Explain to me why goggles and an N95 mask are necessary for aerosolized measles for a person who does not have immunity to it and that a cloth mask is considered completely insufficient for that. But for this, it's great. Awesome. It's a super tool. Better even than a vaccine, the CDC director said. I'm sorry, we're not all sheep. Some people want answers and want to think about this. And at some point, I think it's also fair to say this is a 5% reduction in in cases total across the country but it's a reduction for what period of time let's say or maybe it's even a 30 percent. i don't know no one knows the number no one's ever really here's what they won't tell you all of the previous testing about masks and influenza season during during the flu season the previous major testing said that that they couldn't prove any benefit to people wearing masks when the flu is spreading there are lots of peer-reviewed studies looking at this. They ignore that now. This is different. This, ma- this is a, a virus that's terrified of masks. It, it melts like a vampire in the sun when you wear a mask. You know, they really want you to do. They want you to bend the knee. Just do what they say. They like that. It makes them feel better. They've created a world full of anxiety about this for themselves, and they expect you to live in that too and do what they say. Here you go. Here's here's uh, Don Lemon, Monsieur Don Lemon, over at CNN. Play seven. We've gotten better at treating this disease, at keeping people alive. It's not that it's changed, that it's morphed and all that, or it's less uh, invasive or deadly or, you know, or infectious. It is that we have gotten better at treating people, at keeping them alive. You don't throw them on ventilators right away. You keep their, their lungs um, uh, strong. And, you know, and, and the things that you went through, the advice that you gave people. Mm-hmm. So for everybody who's out there thinking, oh, well, it's no big deal, and I don't wear the mask, and I don't want the lockdown. If you don't want the lockdown... It's very simple. Just do what the experts tell you. Socially distance, look out for others, wear a mask, so on and so forth. And then maybe we wouldn't have to close restaurants down and all of those things. Which, which, who wants that? Nobody wants you that. Know, I- now, I'm just going to tell you this. This is dumb, but it's Don Lemons. So it's not surprising. Restaurants are going to close down in some places, no matter how much mask wearing we do. I can assure you of that. They're not even open in New York right now. So, I mean, to close them down, they're 25% capacity, and they're probably going to take that away soon. They're already closing them at 10 o'clock at night. They're limiting the hours. Wear a mask, and we won't have to do this thing to you. That's, this is the root fallacy of this. Do what we say. Wear that mask, and we won't have to take all these unpleasant measures. They will take the unpleasant measures, even though we're doing these things they tell us to do, and then they'll say it's our fault. Sorry. We didn't want to have to do this to you. You're making us do this to you. You're making us lock you down. We didn't want to do this, but you didn't listen. Well, no, we did listen. You know, there was a, an analysis in the Wall Street Journal. It's fascinating of how the, they got to this number, the 130,000 lives, I think it was, they, that would be saved with mask wearing um, between now and the end of the flu season, I think it is. So basically March of 2021. 130,000 lives, they say, will be saved. But the the numbers in the study, and this is published in Nature Medicine, I think, was the uh, the journal, and it was peer-reviewed in like a day. So they just rushed this thing out. Oh, rushed this thing out. Yeah, what a surprise. 
But the numbers they use in the study estimate that mask adoption in America is at the number it was at something like in maybe, uh, you know, nationwide. We're talking about now, not in places that were hard hit. It's like 40 percent nationwide. And that was back in March, April, I think. And so remember, we're already a lot of us. I mean, New York, I've been telling you, hit by the pandemic terribly. Everybody was masked. If you tried to go near anybody without a mask on indoors, outdoors or whatever, it was like you were a vampire vampire trying to suck their blood. I mean, they everybody was masked up and cases just kept going and going and going. People kept dying. I'm here. I saw it. I'm right in the I'm in the most densely part of New York City and I'm out and about all the time, multiple times a day. Everybody was wearing masks, disease flourishing all over the place anyway. But, you know, oh, if we'd only worn masks more. That IHME Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation model that said 130,000 people will die was based on a 40 percent mask adoption number. We're more at 80 percent now, maybe as high as 90 percent nationwide. We're masked up all over the place. Everyone's masking up indoors, masking, masking all over the place. According to the, the, the data that we have, five percent of Americans don't wear masks. Five percent. I'm sure a lot of them live in rural areas or less populated areas, and they're not even coming to contact with people that much anyway. Five uh, percent aren't wearing masks. They were this was brought to that that study's attention. This was all written by The Wall Street Journal, brought to that study's attention. And they're like, yeah, whatever. So they made a projection about how one hundred thirty thousand lives would be saved based upon a completely erroneous sense of how many people are actually wearing masks right now. And when presented with that information, they go, yeah, whatever. Do what we say, peasant. Don't ask questions. That's what they're telling you. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Starting to get the sense here that Democrats are concerned that the Trump administration may do to them in this period between now and January what was done to the Trump administration. You'll see it. It it, it comes up. They can't really hide it. There's there's a fear that they have. And, And they're really hoping that we just forget all about the clear effort to undermine the peaceful transition of power with the Russia collusion probe I do wish we at least had had the Durham report out by now. It's it's really shameful that that hasn't happened. I knew that it wasn't going to result in arrests and all the things that people were in conservative media world were promising, unfortunately. Uh, but I also feel like it would be useful at this stage to at least have that, because if, if it waits and then you do have a Biden administration, it's all over, folks. Right? If it waits, uh, if, if, if it's held back, it's going to be a. They'll give a public they'll give a public statement from the Office of uh, Public Affairs in DOJ saying, you know, it turns out the Durham probe didn't find anything. The end. That's what you'd get under a Biden administration. You won't even have any additional facts or data release. Nothing. But it's amazing right now to see how the Democrats who were a part in particular of the coup plot against the president in 2016, which is what it was. I mean, they were trying to tear down, destroy and undo an election. That's what Russia collusion was all about. It was a lie. It was a lie for people that were emotionally so wounded by Hillary's loss that they would latch on to anything, including people who were very senior in the federal bureaucracy, including the, some of the most powerful Democrats in the country. 
And uh, we've now seen beyond any reasonable doubt that the whole thing was a fraud, a fabrication. It was a weapon used against Trump and his supporters. Because uh, you're hearing people like Adam Schiff, who is definitely in the top three and maybe the single biggest liar in politics today. I mean, in Congress, for sure. You got Adam Schiff, who was running around saying that he had seen evidence of collusion, that he knew it was there, just said whatever he had to say to keep that machinery going so they could stay on offense against Trump. Uh, Here he is saying he's concerned about the next uh, or rather that the sabotage for the next administration could occur right now. Play six. Perhaps equally dangerous uh, are the people that he is replacing these agency heads uh, with. Uh, And these are unqualified partisan uh, hacks that really don't have the policy chops and they're not being put in there for that reason. Uh, And if we're not if we're not careful, they could um, create foreign policy crises in waiting for the new administration. And of course, Donald Trump wouldn't care anything about that. One of the other points we emphasized, you brought up the trial at the beginning of the segment, uh, in the trial is the one thing you can rely on with Donald Trump is he will do what's in his personal interest. He doesn't care what it means to the country. Uh, And if he can sabotage the next administration, he will do it. If he can retaliate against his enemies, he will do it. Uh, If he can stay in office uh, and and, uh, essentially vacate the election, he will do it. Now, Adam Schiff, will lie because that's all this guy does. He will do it. He will lie. The things that he brings up there, though, going after enemies, using the government to sabotage an incoming administration. That's what Obama did. That is what the Democrats did in 2016. I think that's something we all have to remember. I'm not willing to let that just pass by now because it's inconvenient to the Democrat unity and normalcy narrative. Sure. What was done to the Trump team coming into coming into power was a, a, a scandal that should have uh, shaken this country to its foundations. But the primary apparatuses for the dissemination of information, the corporate media and big tech the social media platforms are in the Democrats pocket, as we know. So they stretched it out so far. And they were so willing to be dishonest. Remember when they got all angry at Attorney General Barr because he said there was spying on the this guy was he's been the attorney general before. He's as qualified as any human being on the planet to hold this job right now. And he said, yeah, I I think it's called spying, folks. I think when you're using electronic surveillance of somebody's private communications without their knowledge or consent and not even going to a, a real court, going through the FISA court to do it, I think that's called spying people also refer to the fisa court which was used to go after carter page who did nothing wrong nothing i remember sitting down with carter page and talking to him and i said you know carter you're going out you're giving all these interviews and i'm just worried that you know they're coming after you and you're he was talking to the Mueller probe and we know the Mueller people were looking for even the smallest the smallest misremembrance the smallest infraction of fact into any testimony about anything to nail somebody with a one zero zero one federal criminal charge, right? Lying, lying to federal uh, investigators. And Carter looked at me. He's just like, I, but Buck, I did nothing wrong. 
there's I I can say I'll tell them everything I said, everything I did. He's like, I, I got nothing to hide. I did nothing wrong. Now, I'm just going to tell you, that's still not a good idea for those of you that ever remember what I would say. Never talk to the FBI. Just don't forget that advice. Don't ever talk to them. You get a lawyer present. You set it all up beforehand. Maybe fine. Never talk to the FBI alone ever, ever. If you're in the FBI, you should not talk to somebody else from the FBI in an investigative capacity of you. You know, if they're looking at your misconduct alone. So never, ever, ever. But Carter Page was doing that. He was going around giving interviews. He was he was testifying to the special counsel and going on TV at night and talking about because he's that innocent of any wrongdoing, did nothing. In fact, helped the federal government, helped the intelligence agencies and the FBI to deal with efforts at Russian pen- Russian penetration of uh, American secrets and national security interests. And they betrayed him. Imagine you're Carter Page. Imagine you are a veteran of the United States Navy who has actively worked to assist the federal government to find uh, would-be Russian spies and saboteurs, and you are then betrayed by the very people that you, that you are in good faith helping because they needed an excuse to pretend that there was a big conspiracy involving an incoming administration with a very icky, bad orange man. Wouldn't you be furious? See all your all your phone calls, all your emails. And I just think also of all the times I had to debate Democrats on this and they just were lying, lying, lying. Oh, the FISA court would never rely on the dossier. Oh, the FISA court would never be subject to abuse for political reasons. They just hid behind all these slogans, phrases, talking points, bullcrap. No accountability for it. If anything, I've, I've said this to you before, they built up their careers even more. I mean, there are people on the, on the left who are true morons. I mean, real imbeciles who don't know anything about anything, who wrote books about Russia collusion, and they sold copies, who gained huge social media followings because of their stance on Russia collusion. And there's been no, no downside to this at all. You know why? Because it was useful against Trump. The truth did not matter. These people who lecture us all the time, these Democrats who are constantly grasping for another way to have a conversation about how Trump lies. They were perfectly happy to use the Trump administration to use the lies about the Trump administration as a political weapon. And they knew what they were doing was wrong and they knew what they were doing was misleading people. Didn't matter. It's justified. Trump derangement syndrome means anything goes. So that's why you have Adam Schiff concerned about sabotaging the next administration. And and really, we're worried about on foreign policy matters. Obama escalated against Russia. Remember that? After the election. It wasn't serious enough that Obama would do anything before the election because they all thought Hillary was going to win. But when Hillary didn't win, oh, my gosh, this Russia collusion stuff, we need to start expelling Russian diplomats and, and putting sanctions on wealthy Russian oligarchs. And, and Trump expanded those sanctions, by the way. They, they're hoping they can get away with this rapid rewriting of the past. And then on MSNBC, they want, they want everyone to know, and there better not be, there better not be any investigations going on of a of a Biden presidency play four. 
But what they want to focus on is investigating. They want to go after Hunter Biden still. They want to go after the investigations that led to impeachment, a time in which I think for a lot of people, you sort of became the modern day Thaddeus Stevens, you know, making your arguments against Trump during impeachment. They want to go after the, the Mueller probe again. Is this what we're going to have to sit through for the next four years? Republicans just doing investigations and refusing to legislate? Well, we, we may. Uh, you know, certainly uh, I think you're absolutely right uh, about um, the fact that this wouldn't be going on right now. Uh, this obstruction of the transition wouldn't be going on if Republicans weren't allowing it to go on. Indeed, that's been the story of the last four years. The story of the last four years is what? Re- the Republican obstruction of Trump? Well, what kind of garbage is this guy spewing now? I mean, obviously, that's not what he's saying, but it doesn't even make any sense. Obstructing what? Oh, the investigations that they freely conducted that were all in bad faith around Russia collusion, the lies, the uh, misrepresentations to the court. The people that had to get fired after long careers, the FBI, because they were Democrat hacks. Oh, yeah, James Comey's fired and the FBI agents are all crying in the hallways, though. Those were real news reports. That adults, adult humans, I don't even care if they work at the FBI, cried because James Comey got fired. Oh, no. So sad. Yeah. No investigations of of a Democrat administration. Remember that. I'm going to just take you through something here um, that, you you know, jog jog our our collective memories. Um, There was a special counsel against Trump, as we know, Russia collusion. It was a farce. And then they impeached him. Anyway, and there was, of course, the investigations that were leading up to the impeachment, too. So they were presenting evidence. So they used investigation as the most vicious, dishonest weaponization they possibly could against the Trump administration. Don't forget, they did the same thing against Bush. They got a special counsel to go headhunting within the you know against the bush administration they thought they were going to get carl rover dick cheney that was the whole point they thought they're going to nail one of them because of a journalist having a conversation that they claimed outed a a cia officer something this is something i know a bit about folks who was in no jeopardy or danger who was exposing herself to all kinds of obvious questions about what she was doing what her husband was doing with I mean, she posed on the cover of Vanity Fair after this happened. Give me a break. The whole thing was a, like a PR stunt. Oh, my career is ruined, except you got a million-dollar book deal to write crappy fiction nobody ever read. Oh, it was so terrible. It was weaponization, you know, the weaponization of this against me. They had a special counsel. They investigated everybody in the White House to find out the source of a leak, that they knew the source of the leak. It was Richard Armitage before they did anything. They knew right away as soon as the special counsel was announced. Armitage came forward, said, look, it was a mistake. I I didn't know. I'm sorry. Ah, but they didn't say, oh, don't worry, you're fine. They said, well, we maybe will prosecute you. You do everything we say and you shut your mouth and let us go around looking for a looking for a Bush administration scalp. They did that. Okay, so we have one. We have a Republican administration, special counsel. We have Obama. Go back. Another one. Republican administration, special counsel. But no investigations of Democrats. No, no, not allowed. You see, they can't hide it. They are concerned that we will do to them what they have done to us. And that would be really mean. And it would hurt our sacred democracy. 
you don't say. 